What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt, now officially part of the Elevation 5280 Podcast Network. Make sure you go check out the website and the podcast feed to check out everything we got going on over there. Today on Shooting the Schmidt, though, we're going to continue previewing all the NFL divisions, starting with the NFC East today. On the NFC side, we're going to get into the Anthony Davis extension and the college football realignment. It's a loaded show. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Anthony Davis has agreed to a three-year, $186 million extension. The Lakers now have their future locked up for the post-LeBron James era. Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, both under contract for the next four-plus years. Jalen Hachifino is going to be a rookie point guard. He'll be there for you know another four-plus years. And Max Christie, Lakers seem to really, really like him. He could develop and do a solid player for them as well. He will also be there for at least another four years. So it's a really solid place to start when you're trying to build your team for the future and while you're trying to win now. I think they're in a really good place when it comes to being the Lakers. And here's the thing. The biggest advantage that the Lakers have is that they are indeed the Lakers because as we know, in the NBA, you need multiple stars. Okay, You're not winning a title with just one star. It's not going to happen. Okay, That's why the Heat are getting ready to make a move for Damian Lillard and all those types of things. You need a second star. And when you're the Lakers, anytime there's a disgruntled superstar, they want to go play for the Lakers because they're the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay, there's history there. Kobe Bryant, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, so many fantastic players in the history of the Lakers and players want to be a part of that history. On top of that, who wouldn't like to be young and rich and live in Los Angeles? Right? The issue is, though, They're paying Anthony Davis an average of $60 million a year when his extension starts. And look, I know that they have to do it, okay? They have to do it, okay? They have no other option. But I still don't like it. I don't like it. Over his 11-year career, he's missed 232 games. He's played 60 games in a season only once in the last five years, okay? Anthony Davis' health is as reliable as McDonald's' ice cream machine. Okay, and because of that, the Lakers are going to have to go find a superstar that consistently plays in games like LeBron James, which is going to be really hard to do in this load management era of the NBA. There's also the issue of Anthony Davis in the playoffs. Do you remember the Warrior series? Yes, they won the series. Yes, Anthony Davis looked fantastic for some of those stretches, but for some of those games, a full 48 minutes, he wasn't totally engaged. One game, he'd be great dominating with his size, and then the next he'd be lackadaisical. And the games he was lackadaisical were the games that the Lakers lost. In, in the Nuggets series, he got outplayed by Jokic. Jokic was the best player in that series in every single game, and that's why the Lakers got swept. Okay, when NBA teams are building around a player, the player has to play. Okay, let's look across the city of Los Angeles to the Clippers. Okay, the Clippers decide to build around Kawhi Leonard, who refuses to play just because he doesn't want to on a lot of nights. And his partner in crime, Paul George, the guy who's supposed to be really good, when Kawhi Leonard doesn't play, hasn't been able to stay healthy since the plane landed in Los Angeles. They've underachieved. 
the Clippers have. And the Lakers could wind up doing the exact same thing by giving a player $60 million a year to only play in 50 games a year. That's not a wise investment. Okay, They better hope that whoever they pair with Davis after LeBron is an Iron Man, a guy who's willing to play every night when he's a little banged up. Because that's what they're going to need. Because Anthony Davis is not that type of player. Moving on to college football and the college football realignments. People are freaking out. Pac-12's gone. It's not a thing anymore. The Big Ten has 18 teams. The SEC is going to have 16 teams. The Big 12 now has 16 teams. But here's the thing. First and foremost, none of this matters. Doesn't do anything for anybody because at the end of the year, as I said last week, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be everybody chasing the same three or four teams, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson. Okay, Everybody's going to be chasing them because that is just how college football is right now. And until other rules change, whether that's the transfer portal, NIL, until that changes, then college football isn't going to change. It's going to be the exact same thing. Those rules have to change in order for these other teams to be able to compete. But I will admit, there's some excitement anytime a team joins a new conference. I mean, yeah, like it's it's an exciting thing. Like I'm excited to watch Oregon travel to Ohio State. I'm excited that that game's not going to be on at 11 o'clock at night here here in the Eastern Time Zone. I'm actually be able to watch some more West Coast teams play. Okay, I'm excited to see USC travel and play Penn State. I'm excited to see Penn State travel to Oregon, you know, so on and so forth. I'm excited to see Washington travel to Michigan and play. Like the Big Ten got really interesting overnight with the addition of these teams. And then the Big Twelve, they make the big spot, the big splash, grabbing you know Arizona and Arizona State especially Arizona, the Big 12 is going to be a really good basketball conference now. Dare I they're, I'm not I'm going to say it. They're going to be they're going to be a basketball conference. They're they're not even a football conference. Cuz all the major powers of football are in the SEC and the Big 10. Or the Big 18. We need to change these names, please. It needs to happen. All all the football powerhouses are now in the Big 10 and the SEC. The Pac-12 is gone. Okay, there's some rumors that the ACC may add, you know, Cal and Stanford. Where does that leave Oregon State and um Oh, who's the other team? Oh, man. I'm blanking. Anyway, they're not very good. Otherwise, otherwise I I would I would remember it. Also, if they were really good, then the Big 10 would have grabbed them as well. But so yeah, there's some talk about the ACC venturing out to the West Coast grabbing you know, Cal and Stanford. But outside of that, like, that doesn't really do anything for anybody. The ACC is still going to be ran by Clemson. Okay, that's just an excuse for those teams to get out to the West Coast and enjoy some uh, some nice warm weather. But, yeah, I just, like I said, you know, it's exciting. There's a lot going on in college football. A lot of money getting moved and amplified and all that kind of stuff. But until they change the NIL and the transfer portal rules, it's really not that exciting because it's going to be the same thing year in and year out. Teams chasing Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with more shooting the Schmitz. Got to get into the NFC East, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Commanders. One of the, you know, one of the most talked about divisions, the most talked about division, the most watched division in the NFL. Can't wait to get into it. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. 
As we continue to work our way through the NFL division predictions, the most popular division in American sports is next. It's another big year for this division, the NFC East, Eagles, Commanders, Giants, Cowboys. And there are really there's really a big question with each and every single team. So for the Commanders that question is can Sam Howell be the guy or are they going to continue to look for a quarterback because they haven't had one since Kirk Cousins left? Can Daniel Jones prove that he's worth the $160 million extension he got in the offseason? Can Jalen Hurts prove he's not a one-hit wonder? And can the Cowboys win a playoff game? That seems to be the question around the Cowboys every year. There's so many questions for a division that has so much history. And before I predict the division, I do want to run through these really quickly. Let's start with the Washington Commanders quarterback situation. 2017 was the last time. The Commanders had a consistent presence at quarterback. Kirk Cousins was a solid option in Washington. He's been a solid option in Minnesota since he left. Um, but look, the Redskins, well, at the time the Redskins, now the Commanders, they, they didn't want to pay him. I don't blame them. Okay? Everybody knows what Kirk Cousins is. He's a lot of numbers, but doesn't always seem to show up in those big moments. But given how awful the quarterback situation and Washington has been since he's left. I'm sure there's a small part of them that regrets letting him walk. Okay, since he left, the quarterback room in Washington has been like a 2016 fidget spinner in the hands of a middle schooler, nonstop, constantly moving, bringing guys in and out, in and out, in and out, round and around. The quarterback the quarterback carousel in Washington goes. Okay, the list is long. Since 2017, the Commanders have started 12 different players under center. Some of those guys include Colt McCoy, Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson, you don't know who that is, Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, and Carson Wentz, to name a few. Last year, Taylor Heineke, a guy who was previously playing in one of those spring football leagues, I don't remember if it was the XFL or the USFL, or whichever FL it is, he was playing in one of those spring leagues. He started the majority of the games last year after the Carson Wentz experiment failed. Now, they're like, okay, Sam Howe, hello, fifth-round pick. I guess you're going to start for us now. We won the last game of the year last year when you started. Let's let's give you the ball. Why not? Chances are he's not the answer because most of the time, fifth-round picks don't wind up being career starters in the NFL. The Commanders are going to be really bad this year. Okay, they are officially on Caleb Williams' watch. Okay, if Sam Howell isn't the guy, then they can turn to Jacoby Brissett or Jake Fromm, which neither one of those guys are the long-term solution to quarterback either. Okay, they're going to have the lesser quarterback in just about every single game that they play this year. They're going to lose a lot of games, which... I think it Caleb Williams isn't a bad thing in the long run. Okay, drafting him would put a stop to the revolving door quarterback. Okay, and that's the first step for any franchise to come back into relevance. You have to have a consistent presence at quarterback, and the commanders haven't had that since Kirk Cousins left. Okay, the worst thing for the commanders this year would be for Howell to be average, because if he's average, then they could win six games and not win the Williams lottery. The best thing for the Commanders would be either for Sam Howell to be awesome all year or to be terrible all year. Either way, they need to walk into the offseason feeling like they either have their guy who's going to play quarterback for them for the next decade or that they're going to be able to draft their guy. They need that feeling going into the offseason because, look, like this is a team that's got some good pieces on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Terry, 
Terry McLaurin, legitimate number one option, a wide receiver. Chase Young, you know, one of the best edge rushers in the league when he's healthy. Like, they've got some dudes that if they just had a quarterback, they would be tough. And hopefully next year, if you're a Commanders fan, you can draft your guy. Moving on to the Giants, Daniel Jones, $160 million extension, going to be at about $40 million a year. And look, I'll be honest, I think $40 million a year for a quarterback who won a playoff game last year in his first year under a legitimate head coach, I don't think that that's a bad deal. Okay, Since the day Daniel Jones was drafted, nobody's liked him. Nobody's given him a chance. Okay, everybody thought that the Giants reached when they took him sixth overall, when they took him in front of Dwayne Haskins. Everybody freaked out, including me. Okay, including me. I didn't like the pick in 2019. But now, I do think that Jones is worth $40 $40 million a year. Okay, especially with Brian Dable as the head coach. Okay, Brian Dable, first and foremost, is on the same level as Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Andy Reid, when it comes to these offensive minds in the NFL. Daniel Jones is a capable quarterback who had a good year last year. Okay, and I know that the numbers don't jump off the page. Okay, he completed 67% of his passes last year, which is the best number that he's posted. He barely threw for 3,000 yards, only threw for 15 touchdowns, and he only threw five picks as well. His game extends beyond his arm, though. As we all know, Daniel Jones can move, ran for 700 yards last year, and an additional seven touchdowns. Okay, he's a dual-threat quarterback, which is really nice to have. Okay, the passing numbers are really misleading, though. The lack of weapons is... It's incredible. It's, it's like a high school team. Okay, that's basically what the Giants were last year. They had an awesome running back, like a lot of high schools do. They've got a really good guy who plays running back, and they figure out how to get him the football. That's what the Giants did last year. Saquon Barkley led the Giants in targets last year, and he tied he tied in, in receptions with 57. Saquon Barkley was tied to be their leading receiver with 57 receptions. Kenny Galladay was an absolute dud. He only played in 12 games, and in those 12 games, he only had six receptions. Brian Dable didn't play him. They didn't want to play him because he wasn't very good. Even though the Giants paid him $18 million last year, and guess what? They're going to pay him $18 million again this year. And despite not having very good weapons, Daniel Jones took this team to the playoffs and won a playoff game with his best receiver being his running back. And look, I'll be honest, the receivers, not much better this year. Okay, The Giants' top four receivers heading into camp were Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, and rookie Jalen Hyatt, who could be really good. He's probably one of the, He was one of the five best receivers in this previous draft class. He could be a really good player, but we don't know yet. And none of the other three guys are like, oh, that guy, you got to watch out for him. None of them are like that. But they did add Darren Waller at tight end, which is huge. The matchup nightmare. Big, fast, strong, can go up and make plays. He's going to be a huge focal point of this offense. Even if he doesn't have a crazy year statistically, he's the guy who draws attention and frees everybody else up. Excuse me. They didn't have that last year. Okay, Darren Waller, legit red zone threat, which is so big for the Giants. Okay, when you can run the ball like the Giants did last year because they ran it really well, the balance allows you to move the ball between the 20s. But when you get inside the 20s, obviously the field shrinks, 
Linebackers play a little bit closer. Safeties play a little bit closer. It's a little bit tougher to run the football when you don't have any receiver who's a red zone threat. Now, defenses have to be wary of the passing game inside the 20, inside the 15, inside the 10. They can't just load up the box and try and stop Saquon Barkley. Now, Saquon Barkley also helps out Waller because it's like they have Saquon Barkley. They're probably going to run the football, which should give him some one-on-one opportunities on the outside. I think the addition of Darren Waller is going to be so big for this Giants team. It's going to make Brian Dable's life easier. It's going to make Daniel Jones' life easier. I think Daniel Jones is going to have a really good year this year and prove that he was more than worth the $40 million he's going to get over these next four years. Let's move on to the Eagles now. Is Jalen Hurts a one-hit wonder? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, no. But I do have some concerns that he won't be as good. Okay, Anytime a player has a breakout season, teams make adjustments. It happens. Okay, We saw it against Lamar Jackson. None of his seasons have been anywhere near as productive as his MVP season was. Cam Newton experienced the exact same thing. Now, I will say, I think Hurts is a better thrower of the football than Cam Newton. And due to Hurts' thickness, I think he's better equipped to run the ball in the NFL for a long time. Unlike Lamar, who's just, you know, doesn't have quite the same frame, a little bit skinnier, just not not the same kind of build. Okay, but I do think there's going to be a step back for Hurts, especially at the start of the season. Okay, because the Eagles are going to go out and they're going to see all these different defenses. They're going to be defended di- differently than they were last year. Okay, and it's going to take head coach Nick Sirianni and the coaching staff some time to adjust. I have no doubt that they will. Okay, they have too many good players on the offensive side of the ball and too good of an offensive line to not make the proper adjustments. Okay, so I think early in the year, Jalen Hurts struggles a little bit. As they kind of figure out how they're being defended, they'll make adjustments and then they'll be okay. It's very similar to Patrick Mahomes. A couple years ago, right? Teams start running the shell defense. They're not giving up the big plays over the top. First six, seven games, Patrick Mahomes wasn't the same guy that we knew him to be beforehand. He started started to take the check down, and then the numbers went right back up to where they were. I expect the same thing from Hurts. Teams are going to come out. They're going to play them differently, whether that's load the box to stop the run. Uh, Maybe it's run the similar type of shell defense. Don't let, you know, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith run wild. Who knows what teams are going to do to counter this Eagles offense, but either way, I think Hurts struggles to start the year because of the new defenses, and then after game you know, 6, after game 7, somewhere in there, they figure it out, and they're right back to clicking on all cylinders. Now, I'm not saying this Eagles offense is going to be bad. They're still going to be good. I'm just not expecting them to average 28 points per game, which was fourth best in the NFL, be top five in rushing, and be top ten in passing. Okay, That's a high bar that teams don't repeat. That's really hard to do. So, Jalen Hurts, still going to be really good, just not as good as he was last year. Will the Dallas Cowboys win a playoff game? And I'm going to tell you right now, no. Okay, I think they're, because they're the biggest brand in football, the Cowboys are going to come into this into this season and next season, and they came into last season with a lot of hype. This is just part of playing for the Cowboys. You come into the year with high expectations and a lot of hype, and then you got Jerry Jones who's telling people how good you're going to be and all that kind of stuff. You come in, you have a lot of hype. This is a good roster as well. 
Okay, this is a weak NFC. Expectations are going to be high, and I think that they should be high for this Cowboys team because, as I said, this is a really good roster. But there are a couple of things about them that I don't like this year. Let's start with what everybody does like, though, the defense. Okay, The, Cow- the Cowboys are going to be set to have a really good defense this year. Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore should be one of the best cornerback duos in the league. you got Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence should be one of the best edge-rushing pairs in the league. Okay, Their linebackers are solid. Dan Quinn's one of the best defensive coordinators in football. Okay, The Cowboys' defense should be one of the, if not the best defense in the NFL this year, given how much talent they have on that side of the ball. The issue that I have is entirely on the offense. Okay, If you know me personally, or if you've been listening to shooting, to shooting the Schmidt for a long time, if you knew me back when shooting the Schmidt wasn't, wasn't shooting the Schmidt, it was overtime takes, then you know that I'm not a Dak Prescott fan. You also know that I am not a Mike McCarthy believer. I'm not. I'm also not a believer in Brian Schottenheimer. Who is that? That is new offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, a guy who hasn't been an offensive coordinator since 2015. Okay, He was a consultant with the Cowboys last year. Before that, he was the passing game coordinator for the Urban Meyer coach Jacksonville Jaguars. When that's on your resume, I, I have no faith in you. You know who I do have faith in, though? Kellen Moore. Way more faith in Kellen Moore than I do Brian Schottenheimer. Okay, They let a good, young offensive coordinator leave and they shouldn't have done that okay I I don't know how great Schottenheimer is going to be I have like I said no faith in him or his abilities to get the best out of Dak Prescott but ultimately my main gripe is with Dak Prescott because I think he's just Kirk Cousins I think that that's just who he is Cousins and Prescott both put up good numbers when you go look at their stats They're kind of surprised at the productivity. They're both missing something, though. And when you watch them, it's like, there's just something that's not there. There's something there that makes them average. Okay, I think it's very similar to musical artists, okay? When people are being discovered, you'll hear record labels and smart music people say, oh, they have it. They have the it factor, okay? You can be talented and not have it. Just look at Prescott and Cousins. That's what what they both are. There are talented quarterbacks who lack whatever it is because nobody knows what it is, but you know when someone has it. You know, it's really weird. I don't think I can really explain it even in football terms. But Prescott, like, he's shown that he's capable. He does it every regular season, and then the playoffs come. And look, he's 2-4 and four in his career playoff games. He's never taken the Cowboys past the divisional round. In those six playoff games, he's only thrown for 300 yards twice. And his touchdowns to interception ratio is barely two to one. Okay, when the playoffs come around, Prescott's production dies down to average. And average quarterbacks don't win in the playoffs. Okay, and that's why I think they're looking at another year where where they get the wild card and then they're bounced. That's who this Cowboys team is. They're a wild card team. Maybe they win the wild card game. I don't think that they will. And then they get bounced in the in, in the divisional round because this is not a team that's good enough to play in the NFC Championship game. They're not better than the Eagles. They're not better than the 49ers. And I don't know if they're better than the Lions either. Here's my prediction. Look, it's impossible to ignore how great this Eagles roster is. 
They have to be the pick not only to win the division, but they also have to be the pick to win the conference. Okay, this is, roster-wise, this is hands down the best team in the NFC. After that, the Cowboys are going to follow with a solid record, you know, somewhere around 10-7. and seven. Giants are going to be right on their tail, go 9-8. and eight. I th- That should allow the Giants to sneak in, maybe grab the 7th seed. And then the Commanders are going to be awful going 4-13, and 13, putting them in prime contention for Caleb Williams. Okay, the NFC East is going to be entertaining because it always is. Division's full of great personalities. There's some really good football players in this division, but make no mistake, this is indeed the Eagles' division to lose. That's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of the, out of your day to check out the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate, do all those different types of things, and I'll be back again on Thursday with another podcast for you.